podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's with me, Jim Boardman. And of course, as always, I'm joined by Jay Reed at a time when the city is, um, I would say, is bouncing quite a bit because of sporting stuff, at least um, at least for those of us who, who are like in the red half or red three quarters of the city, as I sometimes think of it. It's it's all positive at the moment, all pretty all pretty decent, all pretty exciting, loads to, loads to look forward to. But even, even the blue part of the city can, um, can, can have some good times with sport because of course it's Grand National weekend. So is that, is that your experience this week, Jay? Is it being pretty bouncing in, in, in your day to day? Everyone getting excited for the racing and for the footy and all the rest of it? Well, yeah, the, the, the red half have been looking forward to the football, maybe not <laughs> so much the blues because heaven forbid they have to play three games in a week, you know. Big clubs like us, we're used to that, but Frank Lampard seems to complain that he had to play three times within a week. Um, just shows the prestige of the man. He should have known that when he was playing at Chelsea. But... I wonder if he's actually living in the city now, cause like, or if that's what's doing his Eddie, because he's having to commute back down to London and stuff. I, I I reckon he's probably cooped up in a hotel somewhere in Cheshire or Manchester. He probably doesn't want to be in the city for fear yeah. that... I, not just the the laughs that he'll get at Liverpool from Liverpool fans and probably a bit of abuse, but I'm sure the Everton fans at the moment for all the protesting that they did to get him in now probably want him out um, because it's not gone great. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's Grand National Weekend for for those who aren't aware. It's you know the most famous horse race in the world or steeplechase um, as it's as it's touted and it's gone on for years and it's the one. Events that ties the whole of the city together, whatever your sport and allegiance, um, everyone comes together for the Grand National. It's Friday as we record, it's Ladies' Day, and it's one that the ladies of the city really do look forward to. You know, there's people who save up all year round and really put everything into this day and ignore what the mockery of some papers and outlets will publish. It's it's a day of celebration. Um, the men and women of the city love it, and obviously it's it's Grand National Day tomorrow, which evokes some good childhood memories, maybe some not <laughs> good recent memories where I've not won um, in recent times. But it's something that ignites um, all families together. It, it brings them close. I've got great memories sitting around the TV and having the sweepstake in the family and stuff like that. So it, it's it is nice to have in the city. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think the stuff with Ladies' Day is a bit sort of annoying because it's like. There's, there's people who are getting excited for a, for a massive day out. And it's like, I don't know, it, it's a bit like getting ready for a wedding in a way. Like the, the people dress up like it's, like it's a wedding. So there's loads of money being spent. Like you say, saving up the day out itself costs money, but your outfit and stuff costs money. And it's not, you know, we're not talking about wealthy people here. This, this is like, you know, working class people having, having the chance to dress up for the day and, and have a day where they feel special. And then you get the sort of, I don't know, the snobbery end of the, of the gutter press at times, just basically slagging them all off, looking, you know, looking for the most drunken person they can find. And it's just, and it's just, I, mean, I don't know, it's just the, the same papers will then be, you know, talking about, about, um, body image and how bad it is that people criticize people's body image. And the whole situation is just distasteful in terms of how it's treated. But you take all that away and people are just having a laugh. And the thing is, Apart from apart from the, the the fairly recent um interest in Ladies' Day from the sort of press I mentioned, it's it has been a kind of thing where the rest of the country doesn't even kind of think about the Grand National that much until the day itself. But it's it's a it's the three day event. It's something that's looked forward to. Um it's a shame in a way that the, the, the course doesn't get used more than it does. But when it does get used it is massive and I, I agree with what you're saying about the family traditions. It's um 
usually in, in our house as a kid, you know, you'd, you'd, there'd be sweeps going round. You'd maybe get asked to pick a horse or something. But since, since I've had kids of my own and they're all sort of pretty grown up now, it's usually been a case of we all pick a horse, I pay for the bets, and then <laughs> if there's any winnings, I actually have to give the winnings out. So it's kind of, I, I never win. I mean, if, if we have a, an overall win in the house, it's usually, if I'm lucky, I make a couple of quid profit out of it. But that's not the issue. It's all about the fun of it and, and how you pick horses and stuff. And, you know, I mean, I think even the, so, the most seasoned punters in the world who do racing every day, would um, would admit that you don't necessarily look at the form, but do you, is it completely? It can be completely random if you like who wins. Yeah, it's anyone's race. Um, I, I do remember. I'm sure they still do it on the Echo, which you know has gone downhill as a newspaper because it's been taken off the city and stuff like that. And the journalists who work for it, or the decent ones, have all jump ship. Um, but you used to get the Echo on the Friday, and the front page of the Echo would be the forty horse colours or jockey silks and you could be able to cut them out into squares and that would be our sweepstake. You know, you you wouldn't pick um per se what you wanted, it would just be a names out the heart, it'd be like a pound or fifty P in the pot or whatever. Um and that was the winning. So like you'd always had a you know four to five people getting something back. Um and as you say it, it just it's one of them things where everybody gets involved and like my nan doesn't best. She's never never got involved in gambling in her life except on Grand National Day. It was always send me granddad up to the, the betting shop Saturday morning, go and get your betting slips. She'll write them out because he couldn't do it properly even though he was a regular gambler. Um, and then sent them back off to the betting shop at lunchtime and then you'd all sit down, you'd all watch the Grand National and that's how it was for years and years how I remember it. And then obviously as you you sort of get on and move all, uh, move out, you know, you sort of come together for Grand National Day, even if, like, myself and my brothers and sisters don't live at home. Um, you're all sort of trying to get together for this one event, and it's just a little bit of, you know, family time, a bit of nostalgia. It probably may work around the country for other people, but in the city of Liverpool, as I said, it's it's something that unites us all and, and brings us all together. It's just a nice little moment, um, and, yeah, it's it's anybody's race, if they say it's it's huge. It's 40 fences for a quarter miles, I think it is. Um, a bit like the Premier League at the beginning. Anyone could maybe win it. But unlike the Premier League, you know, this one's anyone's race where, as a moment, it's sort of, I don't want to sound itself down to a two-horse race. That's that's pretty much what we're in at the moment. Yeah, it is, it is, it is similar in that way, isn't it? Because the... I mean, the Premier League's getting to a stage now where even the outsiders have got a chance to, um, if not even not to win it, to get sort of to get a place. And of course, in the Grand National, a lot of us put our bets on each way. So you get in the first four, you get some money, and so that's another sort of an, another similarity, I suppose, like Champions League places in the footy that that pay out in the national. Um, the sweep thing as well. I always remember going into work on a Monday and people saying who won the sweep and it'd always be someone who you like you didn't want to win it you know and then there'd be other people saying oh my horse is still running and there's all these sort of old <laughs> saints <laughs> yes they, they come out every year the same ones um i got a donkey and all all the rest of it but it's it is it's a good thing it's, it, it gets us all together and in a way it kind of like kick starts the summer season if you like if you kind of it's like it's spring obviously but it kind of it kind of like it separates the sort of dreary stuff from winter with into the into the sort of hopeful stuff for this this nice part of the year when we've got the longer days and all the rest of it um and of course it leads into as well it's sort of certainly for any liverpool fan growing up in the 80s it would be sort of part of the sort of run towards the the excitement of wembley and things like that you know the run towards the end of the league season it's you know it's at the it's happened sort of at the business end of the footy season and and for a lot of times that was a good time to be a Liverpool fan because we were involved in so much, like like this season, still involved in so many competitions. And I think um, we're, we're recording this sort of just before the City game and you might not get to listen to it till afterwards, but I think it's inevitable that we're going to talk about the City game. So maybe we'll just, just maybe just quickly get it out of the way because then whatever happens, you know, you can kind of fast forward this bit if, it, if you don't want to hear it. But... To be honest, I'm not feeling, I don't know about yourself, I'm not feeling too worried about the results in terms of losing. I think my fear is that we might end up with a draw, which isn't what we want. A draw wouldn't be 
the worst results um, because you know it just it's as you were um, really, and then you just you know you, you put all your chips on the table for the last seven games and and see where the ball lands. Um, but I think it's a, probably a situation of a must not lose for either team. Um, listening to the scouts of pod with Carl and Dave this morning, um, which is always you know a handy listen if you are looking forward to any game. Um, on AI, that's a a plethora of knowledge from the two fellas to to give you a good insight on what to expect within the game. And um, I think they, they both said if you were offered a draw, would you take it? And I think if I get this right, Ray Warren, I think Carl said yes, and Dave was unanimous no. Uh, yeah. And obviously that's how Dave is. And Dave would, would never he, accept a draw. Would he? he wouldn't even <laughs> accept a three 0 win if I bet you know. No, we're, why would he? We'll we'll wish Dave a happy birthday. It is today, whether um, we get this out today or yeah. not. But happy birthday best, to him. Yeah, um, so I'm not I'm not actually that concerned as to what the results will be. I'm sort of I've, I've gone into these games in the past thinking, oh my god, like we've got to be on our best game here um, and just do what we can to get out of there. And probably would have took a draw, but I feel like now. We're probably in better shape squad-wise, um, and I feel like we could comfortably go there and win. And we've got multiple ways which we can win. Um, I think that's what this team's become in, in recent years, like especially like this season. There's there's multiple ways to win. We seem to have, have clicked into this mode in the last five six weeks where it's we will just do enough. And sometimes some people perceive that as we're being a bit sloppy and slack but other ways to see it is it's being very professional and managing each game as it comes and making sure you get out of there and I think we were on a run of like 12 clean sheets in 13 or 14 games or something crazy like that Um, so I'm not too concerned I know what you say about the fear of a draw because we've seen it a lot especially in the early game in Anfield but I think that one was a bit helter-skelter we were missing trends especially we didn't have Diaz we were a bit wobbly in midfield at the time. Um, I feel like we're going there now with all the weapons we have in our armory to mount a serious assault on them. And I think whoever wins the game doesn't necessarily win the title, but they put themselves in a very, very, very strong position. Um, and it'll take something catastrophic then for the for the team to collapse, um, to lose it from that point, because I think it's a huge momentum swing with seven games to go. Whoever does take the three points if, if it's won on a day. Um, it will go a long way and it could mentally damage a team. I think we would be less affected if we if we did lose because I think we've got so many strong characters and a strong manager. Um, but a loss for City could be catastrophic mentally for them because I just don't think at the moment they've got the leadership team and the qualities to, to bounce back from it. Um, you know, if this go, if this isn't listened to until after City, then then you may, you may have a totally different perception on the game. But that's how I sort of read it going into the game, and just the feeling around the city, around the place, the people you speak to, it, it's a confidence now. I think if this game was played seven, eight weeks ago, there wouldn't have been such a confidence. But that run we've been on in recent times, the ten wins in the league on the spin, it is an air of confidence about us now. Yeah, and I think. I think the idea, I mean, obviously Sky, Sky love to pitch these sort of things as like title deciders. And if it had been getting played in October, they'd be doing it. Then the week later, they'd be talking about another title decider and stuff. That's, that's how, how Sky like to do these things and how they like to build them up. And I'm sure it, other broadcasters around the world will do the same. Other media outlets will do the same. And it is close to a title decider because as you say, you feel like it will have a massive, not just on the points, as you say, in terms of the, the sort of effects afterwards and how, how teams perform in the wake of whatever the result is they get. But as as we all know, all, the, the way this is a title decider in itself is if both teams get the same points from the rest of the season, you know, win every game left after this. And, you know, as we've seen, that doesn't always happen. Points get dropped. Teams have bad days and all the rest of it. So it is it is still open. And as you say, it's how, how you respond to it. And I think that's something I've enjoyed on the clock is how we do respond to things, often within a game and after games. So I've, I've seen it far too often in under, under other managers. I'm not going to name names because I think it happened under a string of them. 
is that we'd have something bad go against us in a game and, and we just basically lose our heads. We just lose our confidence, even down to like a referee making a bad decision that we'd be angry with the ref and we'd start looking, focusing on what the ref had done. When in reality, whether the ref's done the right or wrong thing, it's done, it's happened, he's not going to change his mind now. And you've got to pick yourselves up and go and do something about it. When you concede a goal, whether it was bad luck, a piece of brilliance, dodgy referee, dodgy lino, doesn't matter. It's gone in, they've scored, you need to do something about it. And this side on the clock, from day one, has been instilling that into them that that's what you've got to do. You've got to take control of the game. You've got to, you know, you've got to put it right now. And I think, you know, that, that character, if you like, that we've got now on the clock is, is something that reminds me of the Liverpool teams of the 80s and 90s when we were winning trophies for fun. We were involved in, in all the competitions pretty much all the time when the games were coming thick and fast. And that's the case now. The games are coming thick and fast, but the squad we've got now, as you just mentioned then, um, I think on the last Raw I did a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last weekend, time so hard to keep track of these days. Um, I said that the squad's unreal because it's not just the first 11 that Klopp has to look at what he's going to pick with an eye on the next game or an eye on fitness and the rest of it. He's got to look at the bench in the same way because there's people now having to be left off the bench. The squad is that good. Yeah, I don't think we've... Well, not in my time of watching Liverpool have we, we had this quality of squad and, as you say, the confidence and the, you know the, the mental capacity within the squad to... If you face a little bit of adversity, just get up and dust yourself off and carry on. Um, we in the you know in the twenty-seven years or whatever it is I've been watching Liverpool, like there has always been a weak aspect about us. Um, and as you say, like, things go against us and we, we beat ourselves up. Like now, it it's just like you always feel we're gonna we're gonna score. We'll, we'll always get something. Um, like there's always time on the clock. We've seen enough. Especially under Jurgen Klopp, enough late winners in games. Like I always harp back to that Aston Villa game a couple of years ago when we were one 0 down in the 88th minute, and uh, Robbo and Mane scored, and we went two one. And you know, that, a lot of people will say that was, you know, the title deciding game, even though it was in December or January. You know, where the moment where people thought, well, this this team has has got champion caliber written all over it. Um, so we've seen it enough times in many other games that you should never write us off. Um, to pick an eleven, even for for Sunday, I'm sure if you if you rounded up ten people, they they probably struggle maybe to match a similar eleven because everyone's got their own opinions. Everyone's got what they like to see. Everyone's got a difference in who they believe should be on the pitch, who shouldn't be on the pitch. It's just. A wealth of riches. It's it's a great time to be a Liverpool fan. Like the, they don't come much better than this. Like to be at the business end of the season, going into April, have one trophy in the cabinet and still be in the hunt for three more. It's un, like it is unprecedented for the reason it it doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, we we've built this machine and we've done it the right way. We must add, we're playing Man City. We've done it the right way. They haven't. Um, yeah. and. It just feels like, you know, you've just got to get on board the train and be involved with it because we've, we've seen enough bad times and we, we're probably wise enough and long enough in the tooth, even though there's a, a difference in age between us, to know that it won't always be this good. There will be bad eventually somewhere down the line. So you've got to really revel in this. You've got to really enjoy it um, because the, these times don't last forever. So, yeah, I just, I just got that that bubbly feeling inside where you just you can't wait for the game now and the, the joy is that they do come thick and fast yard every three or four days it's it's how we like them it's how Klopp likes them he, he bangs on about rhythm we are so much better when we play every three or four days because A we've now got the squad capability but B it's just the intensity that we play and manage games at it just seems to work in a perfect harmony between us obviously as a team a fan base Klopp Evan it's just a perfect marriage I think um, there's this thing, isn't it? This sort of stereotype about German people being super efficient and stuff, which, you know, there's maybe some truth in, in some senses about that in terms as a nation, the, in how they organise themselves and all the rest of it. But, but the truth is, I mean, Klopp isn't the sort of stereotypical German that you'd think in that way as a sort of cold robotic type person that sometimes get the, the stereotype kind of puts German people across as. And it, you know, it's wrong to, to paint all people with, with that same brush. But the, the, the thing about Klopp is, however 
crazy he is on the touchline, however full of energy he is, however however much he puts into all of his... I mean, he lives and breathes every single match we play. Every press conference, he's up for it. But the, what what's really struck me this, this season with Liverpool is the absolute efficiency of Liverpool, that we're not going into third gear, if second gear will do, but we know we've got third and fourth and fifth and sixth gears, whatever, however many gears we've got. Maybe we've got gears we don't even know about that we don't need. If we don't need to use them, we don't. And by doing that, when the next game comes up, we've we've got plenty in reserve for that game. And it's that ability to sort of to use everything we've got at our disposal when we need it rather than just just for the sake of it you know we're just it, the way we manage games the way the way we manage players and i know i mean I, I love i always love it whenever a player comes off early one of the big ones one of the big names one of the front three that there's always this sort of attempt by the the commentator to talk about the as if they're being dropped and as if they're being you know, they weren't good enough. That's why they're being brought off. But the truth is that we've got enough players on the bench that we can just try something different. Someone's got a bit more energy in them. Maybe someone's just got a few different tricks and different skills. They complement each other. You know, if you, if you pick in front three from five amazing players, then you've got so many combinations you can go with on that. I'm sure some maths expert can tell us exactly how many. I can't, but there's enough combinations off that. And that's just if you stay in it as a three, you know, we've got, options to do things differently but then you've got you look at your full backs and how much of a difference they make in an attacking sense even Joel Massip is an attacker at times it's just it's and that's the thing about this team it's an entertaining team it's not boring to watch it can be a bit boring at times I think the last league game was a bit boring in, in stages um I'd been a bit rough at the time and I almost dozed off I'm sure at one point which is unusual for a match but that's because we just had it under control you know you had to watch it the way you sort of watch a, a pan of water boiling up that, you know, you know, you're sort of keeping a rough eye on it, but you're not sort of standing over it every second. And that, you know, that, that's, that's what we were doing. We were just, just doing enough to get through. But the other thing I think is really good about the situation with the squad is next season, five subs in the Premier League. So it won't just be a case of like picking eight subs and then deciding which three you bring on and keeping one back in case of injury. That makes such a difference that. We can put plays on for 60 knowing we can make some really vital changes after 60 and really, really switch things around. Whether, whether it's a, a change that just lets us keep control of the game and, you know, avoid being sort of attacked and, and caught out or whether it's changes that we just really go for the jugular and finish the opposition off. I think that, that five sort of thing has been huge help to us and especially in the current run of games that we're in. I mean, Klopp's been an advocate for it for a long time and, you know, People will have agendas and say it's because we've got such a big squad. Well, you know, everyone has got a capability to buy players unless you're in a transfer embargo, which, you know, even Chelsea was at some point and still managed to bring players in. And you can so, loan players, you can bring your own yeah, players through, you know, and, and you can Nobody's give stopping chances. you bringing players. Like, there's, yeah. there's no there's no rules to say that you can't have a, a certain amount of players in your squad. Like, some managers, like Mr. Dyson, you know, he, he done us a great favour on Wednesday. He couldn't do it the weekend, but, you know, one favour out of two ain't bad. <laughs> um, he, he, he has a moan and a whinge because, you know, he's probably operating on a squad of 17, 18 players and that's his choice, but that's his choice. Like, nobody is forcing him to do that. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at the, the schedule of games which we've had across, you know, the, the week just passed and the week ahead, uh, Watford, three subs available. But then Benfica, Champions League, five available, used them all. Um, Man City in the league this weekend, three subs available. We all know Klopp will use three subs. Um, However he uses them, that's his own choice. Uh, Next midweek, Benfica, five subs available. Uh, Man City in the FA Cup, five subs available. Um, And then we go back to a couple of league games against um, United and Everton. And then, you know, all being well, we progress in the Champions League. I think after Everton is the next round of the Champions League so that's wedged either side of Newcastle in the league so again another midweek game which there's five subs available and as you said obviously the quality of squad we've got it gives us the options to keep things fresh you know there's, there's a reason why we've got this far um, and the Champions League's had five subs and the FA Cup and I think the League Cup did as well um, this season it's just given us the the option to use the five subs. Everyone's got the option if they play in these competitions. It's just using them wisely. And as you said, it's, I think it was an idiotic question um, labelled at Mane um, the other night and was like, was, was the subs pre-planned and whatever? And, you know, we media savvy are players these days. He, he didn't rise to the base. But 
yeah, it possibly was, but it's for the for the need of the team. Like it's it's not an individualistic game. If it wasn't an individualist game, you'd be at Man United and you'd be seventh in the table because they're the team of individuals. This is a team. They all work for one common goal, and that's the best for the club, the best for the team, and that's why they're in the hunt for five trophies because it's managed correctly, and it goes back to that German efficiency as it might be with with Jürgen Klopp and his, his management team, but it's so thought out and so pre-planned in terms of, all right, they say the next game is the most important, but, you know, they are always looking down the line. It's with one eye. You know, there's a reason why Henderson was on the bench against Benfica and Thiago come off at 60 minutes. Like, we all probably know what is going to be the lineup, whether we agree with it or not. That's down to personal opinion, but the more than likely it is, those two lads are played, you know, 30 minutes and 60 minutes respectively on Tuesday night and then we'll be fresh to line up on Sunday. That's just how, how it is, as Klopp says. Like, he's managing the squad to the best of his ability and he's getting every, every last ounce because the competition for places are so high. Yeah, I mean, I like something he said about someone saying, is he just one, one game at a time? And he actually admitted that sometimes, no, it is one game at a time. That's what you focus on. But you do sometimes have a little think about what's next, just in terms of whether you might you might give a player... You know, a spell on the bench, or, or or take him off early, or something. But you know, and and he talks about, you know, I think I can't remember if it's before or after the game, but he's saying we are not an arrogant team, and that that word is just it's something that's ingrained in my memory from being a Liverpool fan in the eighties and stuff, and and before before the Manx started to start winning things, because they always struck me as an arrogant team who weren't delivering, and I think. You know, that's, that's something that, that Klopp's made sure we haven't been, that when we weren't delivering, when he first joined him, you know, and it took a bit of time to get us back to where we exactly we wanted to be, he's never let us be arrogant. We've always been humble about stuff. Um, we enjoy what we do. You can see them made up when they win. The team spirit's unreal. And they all love the club. It was, it was, I don't know if you saw this, some, it's possibly on his own Twitter actually or something, but, uh, Thiago, there was photos of him wandering around the Albert Dock last weekend, you know, and they're just embracing the city as well, which, it's something I don't think you always get with other clubs, certainly ones outside of London. You don't, you don't really see stories. I mean, I'm not sure what the sites of Manchester are, but you don't really see stories of Man City players wandering around the centre of Manchester in photo ops with the kids, do you? No, no. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've got a good city, so like, it's probably one of the attractions as well for, for players to come to Liverpool because, you know, the, we've got so much to offer as a city, whether you're, you know, culturally, musically, sports, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a there's always a buzz around the city. There's always something happening, um, and I think you know, it, depending on where you come from in the world, it's not an overwhelming city in terms of if, if you went to London, it, it it can be pretty overwhelming. I'm not a massive fan of London myself. I'll be going to Wembley, but you know, I'm going there on on business, not on pleasure, as you say. Yeah. Um, but. Even like I've been to Manchester a couple of times, Manchester can be quite overwhelming. You know, it's a lot of high rise buildings, a lot of, you know, traffic people and, you know, vehicle traffic. It does seem to be a lot of hustle and bustle. And Liverpool is, as, as the nature of the people, it can be, it can be quite laid back as well. And I think that, that probably helps with players who join the club. And, you know, it, it's not always 100% focused on football. You can, you know, take a step back and enjoy what we've got to offer um, and obviously the people of the city as well will, will always welcome you whether you're you know a new player or whether you've been here 10 years you'll always you know get get a healthy and friendly reception it's just the nature of the people that we are um, maybe not the Evertonians if they spotted a few of theirs walking around the city <laughs> at the moment um, I'm sure Richarlison's probably not walking around the docks today um, but you know it, it, it just ties in with what we are as as people and as a club, we are humble people. We are just down to earth, laid back. And, you know, Klopp gets it. Like, he didn't join this club by accident. It was, I think it was in the interview with me with Peter Crouch, um, last weekend. You know, he, he said, like, you know, when Liverpool called, um, it was always, it wasn't even a question to think about it. It was, he was on Aldi in Portugal. I think he said, pack your bags. We're going. Like, it's, it wasn't even, time to think it was it was a decision made straight away because it just worked it just fitted for him he fits well in the city he, the city fits well and the club with him it's just a perfect marriage yeah 
It's amazing actually how many people of other clubs quietly admit they wish they had Klopp as well. I do, I do think, I do find that good. Um, apart, and then of course you always get the usual suspects who are just looking to find any way possible to just sort of lower the tone and slag people off, and they'll they'll always find a way to try and slag Klopp off. But you know what? They just don't seem to ever get anything that stands up. You know, you can take the piss out of managers left, right, and centre as we always do, but with Klopp, they just they really struggle. I mean, I think I think the the last time they got away with it, and they didn't really get away with it, was when they tried to make out that he was going overboard by doing the sort of fist pumpy type stuff when we when we beat or drew with West Brom. But you know, the context we all know the context for that was that it was really the start of us starting to turn things around again and get our confidence and all the rest of it. But you know, everything he does, other clubs are trying to emulate. You know, that that's why Chelsea, I think, brought that manager in. That's why I think. You know, I think Man United have been trying to see if there's a, a German manager they can bring in. It's it's the the thing is though the the thinking that that's what the answer is. It's the German, but it's not. It's the man, and there aren't any other Jurgen Klopp's out there, and that's going to be a problem for Liverpool in the future. No matter what what happens when it's time for him to go, we're obviously going to struggle because it's not Jurgen Klopp that's going to be the manager, and we're gonna we're gonna miss him. And I just hope that we sort out the transition properly because. It's 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 the most difficult thing to do, and I think in football, when you're running a decent team, is to just make sure the next man that comes in comes in in a way that's smooth, that there's no sort of no sort of worries, no sort of um, sort of hiccups or anything. That he comes in and it's almost seamless. And um, I hope he's doing that because I think with Pep and other people he's got around him at the club, maybe if they can stay on and they've, they'll, they'll have people identified. But it's something we, something we've got to worry about in the future. It's something that. If you want an example of how important it is to change managers, it's just we've we mentioned them a couple of times, but I think we've got to give them a proper mention. The lads across the park—they're just not having a good time of it, are they? They just, you know. <laughs> I mean, we joked, we've joked and joked and joked for years about Everton going down and stuff like that, and they've come close a couple of times, but it's not looking good right now, is it? No, it's it, it, it's it's large becoming a reality, and I think after Wednesday's results. The loss to Bernie and the manner of the loss. I mean, they didn't even score more from play for God's sake. They got given two penalties and, you know, Rich Allison did convert them. But then I think it was Sean Dice said in his interview after the game, he said to his lads at half time, these, these don't know how to win a game. Yeah. And that's striking coming from Burnley. Sean Dice of Burnley, like, you know, he's got his qualities and he does what he does within his club and his remit. But it's Burnley, for God's sake. They're like a small club from Lancashire. They were rightfully probably punching way above their weight. They'd be more than probably happy to be somewhere lingering around the bottom of the championship. But, you know, as they are, they're doing in the Premiership. And it if it become a reality on Thursday morning when I went into work, I had joked on Wednesday, it was like, oh, big game for you lads tonight sort of thing. And <laughs> you go into work on Thursday and it the, the, the first words I was allowed them off was we're, we're down, we're done. Yeah, I they've lit, like a lot of them. I've literally given up now. But there's I think there's nine games left for them. There's not a lot, not a lot of points on the board as you as you look at the fixtures and say, well, you'd you'd put a ring around that game and say, well, yeah, that's that's three points. You know, pretty much good shot at that. But then, you know, coming to one field for the derby, they, they've written that one off straight away, as well as other games and. They've sort of assessed their options and said, like, they they genuinely think they're going down. Um, and as you say, we, we laughed and joked. And, you know, it, it's one of them long-running things, like, ah, you used to go down. But they never have, and you sort of, like, think, oh, no, they'll always get out of it. Like, and even back a few weeks, you think, they'll worm the way out somehow. But it it's fast approaching the reality that they could do. Um, I would... Love it purely for the fact of even if they went down for one year, it would be a reality check for them. And you know, I'm I'm in the camp of you live in the city and you've got friends and family, whatever Tonians, and you wouldn't wish ill on them. But you know, there's a lot of hatred still within the city between the football clubs. A lot of it does come from Everton because they're a smaller club than us. Like Liverpool have always been. The bigger brother who's looked down upon them and laughed upon them, and they've always, you know, retaliated and fought back. And there is, you know, still, still a lot of people who are quite bitter. Is the is the term that's used and vitriol towards us and say a lot of nasty things. And maybe for myself, it's like, well, you know, knock yourself down a peg or two and have a reality check. 
and then you know appreciate football for what it is. Like we've had bad times too, but you just got to get on with it. Like you can't always blame somebody else. You've got to just look after your own ship. Um, and if they do go down, it would just be funny when we're playing Real Madrid on a Wednesday night and they're playing Rotherham. Yeah. Like, it's just it, it, it. Everyone, everyone's got their own opinion. Some people don't want to see them go because they'll miss the derby. Other people do and want to see them gone forever. I'm just of the opinion if they if they go down for a, a year or two, you know, it would just be quite quite funny and, and a bit of a reality check for them to understand. Like, you know, we're the big dogs in the city, and I think Klopp himself said the other day, um, this city isn't big enough for both teams. There's only us and the and them or something yeah. like that a, re- a real team like us and then there's them or something like that and it was like an old Shankly quote wasn't it the Liverpool and Liverpool Reserves team yeah um, it, it, it it's just it's come to a point now where it was always a laugh and a joke and it's now becoming real you're sort of like oh, well what can you really say to them is it going to go and it's all their own fault That that's all like people can say now they, they campaign for Lampard he wanted Rafa out, who, you know, rightly or wrongly, went there and that was his choice and other people's choices maybe within the club. But he was a man who knew how to fight a relegation fight. They've got a fella and who doesn't have a clue. And it's all their own fault because they campaigned to get him in. So they, they've got no no sort of comeback. If if that's the man they wants and that's the man who takes them down, then then it's it's all egg on their face really. There's there's probably some psychologist who could like who could come up with the term for it, but there's this there's this feeling with Evertonians, and I don't mean all Evertonians. And like you'll say, you can always think of a mate who, when you got when you got them on their own, they're great. You know, they, they accept the situation at how it is, and you know, they're not they're not cocky or bitter towards you. You know what I mean? They're they're all right about things, and they're quite realistic and all the rest of it. But even then, quite often that that person you're thinking of, you you see him in in with another couple of blues. And they change over to that sort of stereotype blue that's the blue, that's almost like the default Evertonian, the default blue that you come across in life. And that's that bitter one who, quite honestly, puts hating Liverpool ahead of loving Everton. That's the way it comes across. That they, they would really, really, most seasons, and maybe, maybe because most seasons a defeat for them just means you know, they might finish 11th instead of 10th or something along those lines. You know, a defeat for them isn't always the end of the world. And you think, there's times when they, they they celebrate a Liverpool defeat more than they get worked up about an Everton loss. It's like it's a massive consolation. Everton lost, but that doesn't matter because Liverpool did, and that that seems to be what drives them on. And then within the ground, like you say, the stuff with 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 having Rafa, you know, I can accept that some fans weren't keen on it, but you know what? Once you've made that decision as a club, you've got to accept it. I think even I mean, it, I think back to Roy Hodgson and how much he wasn't accepted, but I think a lot of us tried to accept and we didn't want him in but once he came in we did try with him and as it was he proved us he proved us right in the end he, all our fears were were realized he was as bad as we all thought he would be but we did at least try to give him some space and some room to to be a manager but he he didn't really try and give us any space and any room to accept him as a manager but i think rafa did try his best for them i think the the, the problem is that they they'll blame liverpool for things they'll blame thing, liverpool for things that happened decades ago that it wasn't the club you know it was just individuals maybe the and that's that's the way that you're not dealing with your own problems because those things have happened. You've got to look at what's in front of you now. Yet they don't. They'll look at things that's happened in the past. They'll, I mean, they, st- they can remember a throwing that went against them in a derby in 1973. That's the kind of mentality <laughs> they've got. And it's no wonder that now, now a defeat does matter. Now a defeat could see you go down. And you know what? With the situation they're in, I mean, any club that leaves the Premier League has worries. They get parachute payments, but you know, contracts aren't always designed to deal with the parachute payments. Contracts, players want Premier League money, but they're not going to get Premier League income, even with that, those parachute payments. And no matter what they say, they are not going to sell Goodison Park out in the championship. They've no chance of selling the new stadium out if that still goes ahead, if they go down. The sponsors have gone. You know, the Russian money that they were, that they were getting for their training ground and so on, that's disappeared. I actually, you know, this could be a massive crisis for Everton. And I think, and so they kind of like, stop hating Liverpool and start looking at their own club, it might happen before they've even realised it's happened. It could potentially be another lead situation where, I think, was it 16 years they were up the top flight? Yeah. Like, it, it might not be that long, but 
you know, when you when you put everything together, the reality is they are up the creek without a paddle. Um, like it does not look good, and you wonder, like, do a lot of as you say, do a lot of them realize like they would they would take going down, but beating us in the derby. Like if you offered them, you beat us in the derby, and we don't win the league, but you go down. I reckon there'd be a large percentage of them would say, yeah, yeah. we'll take that. Yeah, because, definitely. Because it stops you winning the league. Like, we could win the Champions League, the FA Cup and the League Cup. But if you don't win the league and it's us that have stopped you, they'll celebrate that. They'd have, they'd have DVDs printed never because it'd be the historic derby draw or whatever they, they yeah. managed to do or whatever. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of issues at the club. I would imagine... Not many players have been signed with a relegation clause in the contracts because we they're not run very well. So you know they've lashed money about. They've they've lost three hundred million in the last three seasons or three hundred million plus. Um, you know that the finances are spiraling out of control. There's there's no one actually steering that ship. Like it's literally leaking water and it's going down very quickly. Um, as I said, I I would not want to see them maybe gone for too long because you know you do enjoy the derby it's one of them games but the reality of what they've got in front of them is a lot of players could go they've not got a manager at the moment who's capable of doing anything Um, he's not proven anything if they kept him when they went down I wouldn't have any faith in the fact that he'd bring them back up Um, yeah it's not a nice prospect for them Um. I mean, it it would just become they become lost. They become tramier to us. In effect, like if they went down and were down there for five, six, seven, eight years or more, they would effectively become tramier. That's their local derby because tramier yeah. could eventually be in the same league as them. Yeah, that's um, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember there was a time when Everton were having a bit of trouble and tramier looked like they could even get promoted, and it ended up not happening. But and it's going back a while now. I think Aldo was playing for them at the time, but it. You know that that's that's the reality for them is that their derby is going to be that. I'm just just thinking though, there is there is one way that we could have a derby next season. It's worth giving a shout out to the LFC women's team because they managed to get promoted back to the top flight. So we could see derbies in the in the women's super league next season at least. Yeah, um, I mean they've done mightily well. I think what well, well, well you know it ties in with Everton. The, the reality check came when they went down out the women's super league a few years ago. Um, and there was not a lot of investment from FSG within the super, uh, the women's game when they left the Super League. And, you know, it's women's football is only going in one direction and it's going up. Like you just got to look at the, the capacity crowds at the new camp for the Barcelona women's game in, in recent times. Um, there's been a lot more social media appreciation of the Liverpool women's team. Um, you know, they, they've romped the championship as it is and, the women's super league's on TV more. It's on terrestrial TV as well as um, satellite. So, you know, wouldn't it be great if you know we done the not that they haven't won the the top division, but you know, champions of the, the divisions that they're in, Liverpool men's and Liverpool women. Yeah, that'd be pretty historic. Like it, it's something that never been done because obviously the formation of women's football was only recent. Um, you know, and it would be nice to see the club appreciate them. In, in some way or another, way, maybe a, a, at a ho- upcoming home game, if they if they bring the women's team out when they're finally presented with their trophy, I think they've only got uh, two or three games left in their division. You know, if there's a opportunity for for them to be presented on Anfield before the home match, maybe or a half time or something, you know, give, give these give these women the the rightful recognition that they deserve because you know they they're working hard for what they're doing. It's not an easy profession, the women's football. Um, and you know it, it is good to see that they are getting more and more um, publicity and it's going in the right direction for them I think that's the thing as well I think it is more of a sacrifice I think if you're a, if you're like potentially going to be a good footballer and you can still kind of do like I mean a lot of apprentices and that they're, they're sort of encouraged to do other studies alongside becoming a footballer so maybe if it doesn't work out they've still got a future job wise but you know, you sacrifice that you do and you gamble if you like. Is am I going to be like fifty grand a week, or am I going to just go and get a normal job? I, I think I'll pack my normal job off, off in for a bit then, and give this a go, see how I get on for 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 the for the women. It's a lot more of a gamble because I mean, a lot of them are going to probably even take pay cuts. 
to be full-time professionals, you know, at least up until recently. So it's it's a sport that's growing, though. And it's ironic, isn't it, that I think until quite recently, one of the record attendances for a women's game in England, at least, was actually at Goodison. And it was sort of wartime um, when two ladies' teams played each other. And Goodison Park was just basically packed out with people watching it because all the sort of men's football was there, suspended or, you know, hardly ever been played. And, it, and they just packed the place out. And apparently that resulted in the FA banning women from playing on any FA-affiliated ground for sort of decades. And that only got lifted maybe 20, 30 years ago with that because the FA was so frightened that the women could actually take all the, um, you know, t- steal all the thunder from the men's game and basically make the men's game less attractive and, you know, and basically ruin the game for men and, and stuff. And it just shows the kind of world we, we used to live in. But now, side by side, there's no reason for it. And you mentioned that about presentations as well. How about trophy parades? What do you reckon? Is it time time for one of them? And what will, what will, Everton, what will Evertonians make of it? I mean, even if they survive... <laughs> which maybe they'll do a parade for, to be quite honest. They could do a We Didn't Go Down um, open bus tour. But other than that, how are they going to cope with seeing us if we do keep on winning the silverware? And it's not you know, it's not guaranteed yet. You know, I'm touching what I'm saying it, but you know, we can dream for a second. If we go and win all those trophies, what are the Evertonians going to do? Um, <laughs> maybe go and live on the Whittle. <laughs> <laughs> and support Tramia. Um I think this was a question fired up by Eddie on Discord to be fair to him. Um I don't know, they they hate uh, trophy parades for us because, you know, they've had one since nineteen ninety five, which is a long time ago. Um you know, I went here for the Champions League one when we won it in Madrid because I was somewhere in Belfast, I think it was, when I was coming home because I'd done one of them crazy trips where you'd have to get like yeah. two flights and four-hour car drives and all that business. Um, so we missed a parade, but we'd we do a parade anyway because of well, it won't happen in per se of you know the league that we won and we had to you know celebrate it in in COVID times with an empty stadium and stuff and whatever. So you know we're, we're old one in terms of that and our next one will be to make up for that. I don't think we'd do one in terms of, you know, we won the Carabao Cup and stuff. Um, that way, maybe wouldn't be given the honour of a of a city parade, but anything bigger than that, it surely will. Um, you know, it, you know yourself, it, when Liverpool get to finals or when Liverpool win things, the flags come out. Um, i seen one today actually coming on from work. He, there's a young boy who lives at the top of my road and every Friday or just before the games when Liverpool play, his bedroom window has the Liverpool flag outside because there's never Tony who lives next door. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just that sort of like, you know, little rivalry that when we get to finals, the city is decorated red and white. There's, there's flags everywhere, there's banners and stuff like that. There's flags on cars uh, and everything, isn't there? Scars sticking out the windows. Yeah, and, it's yeah. like, you know, it, it takes over and... It does give you an actual perception that this thing, like Everton, the the people's club of the city, now that there's a there's a hell of a lot more copites in in this city than Evertonians. Um, but I've known Evertonians to go like, a lot of it's a it's a, a traditional sort of thing having caravan holidays in North Wales. They'll go to North Wales for the weekend <laughs> when they like, like if, yeah. If you're if you're going to win the league, we're off to Wales because it you know. You, we don't we don't see it over there. <laughs> we can't see that with that far away. Um, <laughs> or you know, like they won't they won't turn a telly on. They'll they'll stay indoors. They'll they'll hide. And you know, should the worst happen, they go down and and we win the league. I I think we should just have a an open top bus parade just for that. Like, yes. <laughs> you know, just you know, plaster it all over, like change the bulbs on the live birds because they don't own them anymore. They're not they're not blue anymore. Put them back to red. Um, they they will self combust, and so will the pro fans in in pure joy and excitement. And you know, I think the party go on for days and days, weeks, all through the summer because there is no summer tournament. You'd live and remind them, but for them, geez, like you'd be handing out some Madison's phone call numbers and you know antidepressants left, right, and centre because I think for them, if, if that happened. They'd probably give up football. I, a few of them were whinging the other day over the five subs things which we touched on before. You know, football dead. 
But just because you haven't got five quality players to bring off your bench, that's what it is. It's not football's dead or something. It's just football's evolving. They would really, really suffer. And, you know, it, it the cliche thing that Liverpool fans like we would we wouldn't shut up about it. We would be um relentless. We we just carry on and carry on and carry on. We wouldn't let them rest. If we if we manage to pull off the the unthinkable and they go down, I said it before, like, you know, you, you might as well retire from football. But I'm gonna I'm gonna retract my statement because I'd be going on a tour of every team that comes to Anfield or any away games you get to. And just let them all know that we've done the unthinkable. <laughs> and just let them all know. Because, you know, if, if you do the unthinkable, you shout and scream about it. You don't let anyone forget about it. You will be unbearable. <laughs> of course, all of this about trophies and parades, we've got to actually get out there and win things, haven't we? Um, Benfica. I wouldn't say we've got the job done. We're partway there, aren't we? But um, you were saying just before we came on air, there's been a bit of trouble for Liverpool fans who were there. I mean, we sold out our end, but all the seats weren't full and people had a bad time. Yeah, I think it was a situation, you know, reminiscent of the old days, which is not good. Um, you know, the, the the stigma that English fans abroad um, are rowdy and hostile and will cause trouble. And there may be small pockets of certain fan bases that still do that. Um, but I think on the whole, it's, you know, it, it's mainly died down. And maybe when the English get together as supporting England as a nation and there's all these small pockets of various clubs get together and bubble into one melting pot of idiocy, then maybe it might happen. Um, just another reason not to support England for me. Um, but I do follow a lot of people who do go home and away with Liverpool. A lot, a lot of fans sort about this. We will just go to away games only. Um, and that's great, you know, it's a, it's a dedication, it costs a lot of money and time. Um, but they were left outside, they were sort of held in, in, a, in a holding area um, between a checkpoint and getting into the stadium. And the game was, there was a lot of videos and pictures going around two minutes before kickoff, and there was hundreds of fans outside, and then they let them in. And then the same sort of issue coming out, like they held them inside the stadium for an hour, which isn't too uncommon to hold away fans back. It's usually half an hour, though it's not usually an hour. Um, and then when they did come out the stadium, there was someone had the video where they were coming sort of down a ramp, and then there was a police cordon with heavily armed riot police just holding all the fans in in a, in a section of the road. Um, and then the video cut off. It was only about twenty thirty seconds long, but um, several fans, um, people who work for various outlets of, of social media and uh, fan media have said like they were quite aggressive towards them without provocation. There was a lot of anger with like, the foreign, uh, the Portuguese police and it's something they didn't really experience when they went to Porto because we've been there quite a few times recently. It just seemed to be a thing that was with the Benfica um, authorities and you don't want to see that because you know they're only going there to support the club. These fans from Benfica do come over next week. If they behave themselves, which I'm sure they will, and I'm sure that's what Liverpool fans were doing, they, they go to bars and restaurants and they might gather in small crowds, like when Liverpool fans go away, and they have a little sing-song, but there's never anything like, out of touch, out of tone, never any aggression, never any violence. You don't see it. They're welcome to the city, aren't they? I mean, there's like yeah. there's loads of people who are all excited and singing songs and having a few drinks. You know, it's not. You know, they're not going to be welcoming the library, but you know, around town, they're definitely welcoming yeah. it. And, and you know, it's, we, it's we the same welcome goes for anyone coming here. Yeah. yeah, like the the only issues we've had in in recent times have been a couple of small pockets of Italian fans, yeah, who do have. You know, it, it's a well publicised. You do have an ultra. Um, fan sort of concept where you know the, the small pockets will will incite violence or will look to incite violence um and they do that in, and they do that domestically as well you know if yeah if, yeah it's, it's not just abroad yeah it's a system so like, they've got that within the football um of obviously but you know we, we've had fans from all over europe coming here and actually like Liverpool 
enjoy it. I did like they like to see, you know, like people from Serbia coming here and enjoying like the way they they approach football. They're like the German clubs who've come here and they'll walk in mass from the city centre to Anfield a few miles, and you know it might be a little bit of inconvenience for the traffic, but they're all just doing what the what their fan culture is, and they'll take a, a tour around the city. They might all then congregate and walk to the game or whatever, but. It's never any animosity, and like, you do see a lot of police presence around the ground for games such as European nights, or we've got Manchester United and the Derby coming up in a few weeks. But you very rarely see any sort of, you know, kickoffs or violence, or or shepherding people into into areas, and you know, the police sort of putting a heavy hand on things. It's just not nice to see. It ruins the the spectacle, and you know, it's not. Not something that we should be dealing with in 2022 in European football. It's, you know, it's it's a stigma that's wrongly attached nowadays. I think. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's that it's that it's that age old thing that oh, like I've seen some football fans can be completely us knobheads and be, be be horrible and violent and all the rest of it. So they must all be like that, which is just like, you know, it's it's just like it's the kind of attitude that that applies in 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 more sinister ways as well, and especially with police forces around the world that they'll decide that. Because one or two people have been bad apples in any grouping that you want to call it, that they must all be the same. Anyone, anyone that they can match to that group in their heads, they're all bad. Tie them all with the same brush, you know. Give them all the same treatment. Treat them all as badly, and it, it's just sort of it's so out of date as an attitude. And I know in a lot of ways, football clubs these days, fans can be self policing as well. You know, you don't you you don't go there to do that. I mean, there's people who've like, you know, they've got. Let's face it. To go to the match now, you probably you probably have to you've got to have a decent job to go to a match in Benfica because you know it's not cheap. You've got to fly out. You've got to get your tickets. You, you you've got to have your tickets to go to all the games that qualify you to go to it and all the rest of it. So you know we're not talking like you know people have got a lot to lose. It's not it's just not in your nature and you're just enjoying it. We enjoy the culture. We want to be welcome. We're visiting all these cities and as you say, um, you know. We, we tick them off almost like the, the fans will tick them off where they've been. And quite often they'll be going back there in the future to have a holiday there or, you know, a city break or whatever, because they've gone to a place and thought, this is all right. This, this, we're seeing this for what it is. You know, they'll, they'll try and avoid being shunted into the tourist areas as well. Go and find a proper, you know, like a proper bar, a local bar, somewhere where you get the real sort of feel for the city rather than the, the sort of, um, tourist board version of the city. So I think. You know, we've we've got loads of experience of travelling in Europe. Maybe, maybe what we need to do is just get the the authorities in Lisbon to have a have a talk to us. You know, and, and find out where they're going wrong, so that next time they've got a big match against the team that they don't do that. It's it's just not on. Um, it's 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 like you say, it's it's out of date. It's something from the past. It's something from the eighties. It's something that Margaret Thatcher's view of football fans and that that's that's old now and. The only thing I will say is you're right. England didn't help the way they the way they acted in the Euros final. The way they sort of demolished their own stadium almost again was 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 pathetic. But it sums up a lot of England fans. It sums up the a lot of the nation at times as well, which is why I think as those of us in this part of the country quite often separate ourselves from from the rest of the country because it's not so much we're separating ourselves from the rest of the country. It's separating ourselves from that kind of person. But as for the match itself, three one. If you just saw the scoreline, you think, well, we coasted that. And if you watched big parts of the games, you'll think we coasted that. But there was a kind of narrative coming out of it that we were lucky to win. Yeah, I think it was lazy, punditry, lazy sort of journalism. Um, you know, even again at the weekend, it was similar to that. Like, you know, you had Roy coming out and saying that the penalty ruined the game as a spectacle. It was 88 <laughs> minutes or whatever. Right, behave yourself, Roy. Um, you know, we we only get beat if we beat ourselves, I think, these days. And, you know, we, we gifted them a goal and it was just into the second half and, you know, it, it did raise the confidence. The stadium got rowdy and they had a spell. Um, but I thought the changes, you know, were needed in terms of, excuse me, um, they changed the, the speed of the game. Um, I know, like, the, the statistics point to the fact that you know, Henderson come on and didn't really retain possession, but Bobby and Jota did do a lot up front. Um, Bobby especially, his last two games have been exceptional, I think. Um, it just slowed the game down and took the sting out of the game. And You know, for 15, 20 minutes, they had a spell. 
you know, they had a couple of chances. You know, they were, they were gifted the goal. And any other time, that ball is sweeped away by Kanate and it's put out for a corner or whatever. It was just an unfortunate situation. Um, I can't think of any other real opportunities they had to, to trouble us. Um, we missed a lot. Like, we could have been four or five up by half-time. The game could have been dead. Um, but what it, what it has done is it, it, it's given us an insight into what they've got because I think they put all their cards on the table that night and they, they showed all they've got. Um, you know, that 15, 20 minutes, they showed that why they're in the, this stage of the competition. They can cause teams problems. People forget that, don't they? When they, when they start having a go at Liverpool, they forget that at this stage of the competition... You know, there's a pretty good chance that the teams that are in it are, are, are half decent. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in it. I mean, they 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 they've not got here by fluke. They got here because they're a good team who're playing well, and that just it astounds me how often that bit gets forgotten. And it's always this sort of I don't know what it is. It's as if there's a clamour that like build a team up, knock them down, build someone up, knock them down. It's the same with celebrities and everything in the media at times, isn't it? The mainstream media, as it's sometimes called. It's just this attitude of like, oh. Yeah, let's just knock them down a peg or two, and you know, instead of instead of enjoying it for what it is, it was it was a good Liverpool team against a good Portuguese team, a good team who who caused us problems here and there when they got the tactics right, but who, in all honesty, rarely really looked like troubling us. But that's the truth. We, they were good. We were amazing. Or was that just me? <laughs> no, no. I think I, well, we, we, maybe not maybe amazing, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but we. You know, when when we want to, we've always got an extra gear. I think we were we were very much in third gear. If we wanted to go up to fifth, then I think we we, we might save that for Sunday um, or next week in the semi final at Wembley. I think we're just that good that we don't need to get out of third gear very often, um, second gear even sometimes. And I think that's what we've been in the last few weeks. We've just been ruthlessly efficient. We've not had to pour ourselves into fifth gear if we do like you know it might only be a 15 20 minute spell like it was maybe at Arsenal and you know we, we coasted through the first half even though they played their their best game of the season or whatever and they didn't really mount a chance and then we made a couple of changes or whatever and for that 15 20 minutes we just took the game away from them and then we slipped ourselves back down to third gear and killed the game off and that's the sign of a really good team Um you know, and well, I think it, it's just a narrative, isn't it? We've, we've touched on it many a time, like the, the mainstream media and whatever, and pundits and people around like the game have always wanted to knock Liverpool down. It's always the, the big target because, you know, historically we have been one of the biggest and best clubs in the country, if not the world. And it's just it's just easy to to try and knock us down a peg or two. We've, we've seen it all before, but we're too long in the tooth. We've, yeah. we, we know all these games, all these tricks, all these headlines. It's it's not going to affect us. If anything, we revel in it and just think <laughs> that the best you can come with because we've seen this one before. Like, we know how this plays out. We'll come out the other side of it, don't you worry. Yeah, and I think, I think the thing about the gears as well, I mean, I've used that analogy a lot myself this season, but the fact we've got so many is... is a, is the proof of how good we've become as a team and as a squad and as an overall machine, if that's the right word. Because when you think back to the night we beat Milan in Istanbul, I mean, a historic night. And, you know, if if we did, if we were the kind of city that handed out knighthoods, they'd all have been knighted and stuff like that. But it, it, was, it was an amazing performance. But the truth is we probably only had two gears and we spent most of Istanbul in second gear revving the arse off the engine because that's what we had to do to get that win and we had to do it to win. If we'd had six gears then in that team, then we could we could have won it and maybe third gear we could have done it. Maybe we'd have needed fourth gear. But, you know, as it stands at the moment, we've need, rarely needed to get into those higher gears, but it feels like we still got them. And I think that's just, I just think that's what's deceiving people, that sometimes it can look like there's been a lack of effort or even complacency, but we do have that occasionally, but it's this, this this feeling that, you know, if you do get through all of our outfield plays, you've still got that monster in the goal to get past. You yeah. know, and even if he makes a mistake, by then there's probably one of these lads on the on the line anyway. You know, like um you know, I can't remember who it was now. When the 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 one was it Trent tr- hooked it over Trent. you know, over the bar. You know, and it's this kind of thing. It's it, as a team we just we, we we find the pieces we need to find. There's 
as something starts to break, someone's there fixing it, someone's there propping it up and getting it ready, and then on, on we go. It's it's phenomenal to see. Um, I think, that, yeah, it's been an amazing season. And as we say, we're not sure when you're going to be listening to this. Will you have, will you have played City? Will we not? But I think what we can, we can finish off saying now is that um, whenever you listen to this, the next game we're playing is going to be a big one. Yeah, every game is potentially a cup final now. Um, you know, football cliche as it is and whatever, but, you know, I was touching it before, we've got within three, com- four, three competitions left over the next three games. It's three different competitions. It's two different opponents. Um, we've got a very good handle on one game in the Champions League. You know, that's potentially an opportunity to to play with the squad and, you know, give us the best possible opportunity for for the games against City in the league and the FA Cup. Um, You know, not happy with the fact that it's in Wembley, not happy with the fact that, you know, there's the transport issues and stuff. We could, we could have delved into all that, but you know, that's by the by the games there. Now we're just going to have to deal with it. It's just what we do as fans, as Liverpool fans, we just deal with the situation. We will find a way there. I've found a way there one way or another. I'll be down there. Um, And yeah, wait, whenever, people do get to listen to this it it probably will be some point either just after City or just before the next City game or whatever but we are in the depths of an unprecedented ride to what could be an unbelievable season and you know the, there's only one place you really want to sit back and enjoy it and it is on AI because there's there's plenty of content I know we've been missing for a few weeks but um, we're hopefully now you know you've We've had a bit of work and sickness issues and so on and so forth that we can we can nail down a bit more um, podcasts for the listeners. I know there'll be a plethora coming out because as soon as the games come out, as soon as the podcasts come out, there's there's that much going on. Um, but we will try and give you know the listener more of this and more of an angle. And we always do, as I say, encourage um, anyone to to fire questions at us um, if there's something that you may want to get an insight on from from myself or Jim, then we're more than happy to discuss it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, I think whatever's left now, however many podcasts we can get in before the end of the season, it's going to be literally like, we don't know when you're listening to this. We don't know what game we've just had and what game we've got next, but they'll all be exciting games. No doubt there'll be um, a a mention of how Everton are doing because, you know, as much as, as, as big a team as Liverpool are, Everton are still in the city. You still notice them now and again. Um, normally be some sort of cloud over someone's head, but you know, you do notice them. And whatever, whatever, let's, let's see when they get to the end of the season, are we going to feel sorry for them? Um, I don't know. I mean, one thing you never do ever is say to an Evertonian that you feel sorry for them because they absolutely hate it. Hint, hint. But anyway, listen, I hope you've, in, I hope you've enjoyed. Thanks to Jay for being here. I hope you've enjoyed listening. I hope you're enjoying the football because as Jay's already said, as we keep saying, enjoy it because you never know how long it's going to last. And right now it is so enjoyable in so many different ways. Whatever happens, you still love this club and this club are going to give you many, many more happy nights. But enjoy the ones you're getting. And for now, Keep listening to AI, keep listening out for us, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.